0: hi everyone welcome to another episode of let's get candid a podcast where we just sit down with friends have casual conversations um yeah and just really talk about anything that is interesting to us and so today i am joined by petros
1: hello that's me petros hello
0: So before we start today's episode, I do want to preface that we are gonna be doing a TV show review. So there will obviously be lots of spoilers in this episode. So if you are planning to watch this TV show called You on Netflix, um, I would recommend maybe pausing this episode and finishing it on Netflix before you come back. Otherwise, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of us just talking about everything that we loved, everything that we hated, everything that bothers us still about this show because it is a lot.com actually before we get started Petros how are you
1: I am doing well um since we last spoke which was like what months ago (laughs) yeah um since then um I have finished up last semester of grad school what? Or I have one more semester of grad school.
0: And wow, congratulations. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of hard work, but you know.
0: Okay, so today we are talking about the TV show, You. I'm going to read the yes. summary really quick, just so people can get ready for this crazy episode. What would you do for love? For a brilliant male bookstore manager who crosses paths with an aspiring female writer, this question is put to the test. A charming yet awkward crush becomes something even more sinister when the writer becomes the manager's obsession. Using social media and the internet, he uses every tool at his disposal to become close to her, even going so far as to remove any obstacle, including people, that stands in his way of getting to her. Oh, I just got chills.
1: <laughs> that's, that's very accurate. That's a very accurate synopsis. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so the main cast includes Penn Badgley, who I know as Gossip Girl. Ooh, that's another spoiler. Sorry guys. Oh no. Oh no. Sorry. Um, who plays Joel Goldberg slash Will Bettelheim, which we will get into a little bit later. Um the other, I guess, two like most prominent characters are Elizabeth Lail, who plays Beck, and Victoria Pendretti, who plays love quinn um there are currently two seasons of you with the third one in the making that's supposed to come out in 2021 so what did you think of let's start with season one because both (laughs) of them are just like oh it's a lot let's start with season one
1: i mean where do you even where do you even begin with the show um season one joe really develops a lot of character i think you get to really Mm -hmm. get into his headspace where he's coming from it's really hard not to sympathize with joe he seems to be victim of circumstance, right? And he—he, I feel like he sees himself that way. And I find myself rooting for Joe and I feel like that's wrong.
0: It's almost like you see him justifying his decisions and you believe it. The narration, I feel like that's given to us in season one and season two, really makes you really like him. And like you said, like you start rooting for him because you see his inner thoughts and you're like, okay, he's done a lot of bad stuff, but You know, at the end of the day, he just really loves this girl. His love for this one person, Beck, just kind of justifies all the other crazy, ridiculous things that he ends up doing. As I'm saying this and thinking about this, I'm like, what is wrong with me? But that's exactly what I felt like watching it.
1: Right. I mean, he works at a bookstore, right? He reads a lot Mm -hmm. of books. He's a he's a romantic and he's an idealist, too. Right, Joe's a strong believer of love at first sight. Yeah, he really likes to focus on these um, ideals and making these ideals reality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I think something else is uh, with Joe that I that I've come to realize is that he has a really big savior complex, right? Yes. And that's one of the ways he ways he he justifies things, right? Mm-hmm. It's over and over again whenever something comes up. Right. Whenever uh like Beck finds something or Candace finds something or or or, or uh, love or whatever, the way he defends himself is I was trying to protect you. Yeah. Right. Like, look at all these people. They're so bad for you. And I have proof, but like when he shows them the proof, that's kind of creepy, right? But then he mm-hmm. shows them the proof anyway, and you're like, all right, <laughs> like, like as a as, the, as a person watching the show, you're like, all right, like, right? Like you're like, see, like they were bad, but then you put yourself in like Joe's love interest shoes, and you're just like, well, but this is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, like, fine, they were bad people, that doesn't mean you had to go and like, like, eliminate them.
0: Right? <laughs> he's always going to these extreme lengths. The thing about him believing in love and first sight, love at first sight, is so scary because, like, in the show, you see him and he like sees a girl for like two seconds, and he's like psychoanalyzing her from like head to toe and like the books that she's reading like what she's wearing and i'm like oh my god if guys like were thinking that when they saw me and i knew that i would just like run away but obviously like these girls don't know right so they can't really like protect themselves actually i don't think he's really good at disguising himself because all he does is wear a hat
1: (laughs) right you know how like superman like he wears like the glasses yeah, um yeah. and then people just like don't know who he is. I hear, well, if you're not like actually looking for someone, right? Like say Joe, right? If you don't expect your your boyfriend or like whoever to be following you, if you're not actively looking, I feel like a hat is actually sufficient enough, mm. right? If you're yeah, not maybe. actually if you're not being too aware, uh but I feel like he definitely could be a little bit more elaborate if he didn't want to get caught. I guess that's something we could talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Um Just how reckless he is
0: so reckless oh my gosh i think about like the in season one at least the scene that i I don't even know how he got through that the whole thing with peach's house and like walking around that and the audacity that he has to like stay there and like i would have just left honestly but he he loves beck so much and he knew that her best friend Peach had such ulterior motives, was basically like in complete love with her and obsessed with her. I don't know how he managed that. I mean, he got caught eventually, but like that, that whole scene, I was, I couldn't breathe the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I don't think he should have gotten away with it. I mean, he, he peed in a jar.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: How was that not immediate evidence? I feel like Joe being reckless might also be because he's a little bit of a romantic Mm, um, yeah. where things hold value, even though he's a killer, right? He's strangely sentimental yeah. in the sense that he, he collects things like, Ugh. okay, well, he Ugh. collects like, oh, I know. I know. Like, all right. Like he collects like panties and that's kind of, that's a little bit weird, it's but, so uh, weird. but, but it's, and I say a little bit in, when, when you compare that with teeth, right?
0: Oh Oh, <laughs> so gross.
1: It's not even that he collects things, right? Because you can hide you can hide these things pretty well, but he chooses almost like not to,
0: yeah. Where does he hide them again? Like in the ceiling above the toilet or something like that? Yeah, like yeah, the yeah, tiles
1: yeah, and then in the uh, in season two, um the apartment complex, he he has a hole in the wall, right? yeah a
0: hole in the wall and then a the keys to the storage unit were just in like a glass vase or something that was like on a bookshelf he also is pretty reckless at telling people things like he told Paco in season 1 like hey the best place for you to hide anything is the ceiling above the toilet and kids don't know better like how is he supposed right. to know that this is joe's like deepest secret so mm-hmm. Paco goes and tells Beck because you know she seems like a safe person to him, and Beck finds all this stuff and freaks out and then dies.
1: <laughs> I love that uh, the well, I don't love, but I <laughs> I think it's so funny that when Beck is like hammering on the door of the basement, right? Yeah, um, yeah. When he when when she knocks Joe out
0: mm-hmm. and she's
1: like, "Help! Help! He's gonna kill me!" and then Paco literally looks at her and then just like decides to
0: leave (laughs) yeah oh my gosh he trusts joe so much because he protected him from the guy that um his mom was seeing the abusive dude for his name ron or something yeah right right so he trusts him so much to the point where he's just like oh no well joe told me not to do anything with this door anymore so i'm just gonna leave let's talk about Beck for a second, she is also a very complicated girl, and I'm just gonna say, first off, this girl needs to invest in some curtains, because oh, yeah. Joe can see everything. She has a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, baggage too. Like she's a aspiring writer at NYU. She has some pretty bad friends. Her family's a little bit messed up. So I don't know. I still can't excuse her for not having proper curtains in her house.
1: Right. And that's the first thing that Joe notices about her, right? The Mm -hmm. fact that she's on social media, the fact that she doesn't have password protection on her laptop.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Insane. But she's the type of person who wants to be seen. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so for lack of a better way to say it, she's kind of asking for it. Yeah. Right. She's kind of a mess, but I can't even really blame her though.
0: Because of her past and stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, she has a dream and it's a hard dream to achieve being a writer. But at the same time, she doesn't make life any easier on herself.
0: And even Benji, who was like one of the guys that she was sleeping with in the beginning before she had met Joe, the way he was describing Beck to Joe was like, you know, you're believing what she wants you to see, like on social media. But obviously Joe knows more than that because he is stalking her. But Benji is trying to tell him like, hey, you're fantasizing over this girl that doesn't even know what she wants, and she's still trying to figure out her own life. And Joe is just like, "Yes, but I also know like all those other stuff that you don't know." So they're they're both right in a way, but they know very different backs.
1: Yes, I think that Joe is always he he seems to feel like he's the right person, right? I mean, that's clear enough for he he thinks that he's the right person for everyone that he falls <laughs> in love with. Um, but he but it's always. Uh, from at least from his perspective, a uh, right person at the wrong time. Because he's trying to insert himself at a point where, like, quite honestly, she's not ready for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's her throughout season one. She's not ready for a relationship at any point.
0: Another thing I noticed in season one was how the show portrays this idea of male fantasies. Because most of like the movies and books and stories that I've read growing up, it always shows like, women are the ones that fantasize over the perfect, you know, knight in shining armor. But I thought it was interesting to get that perspective from Joe's side and to paint him as a guy who is fantasizing over this girl that he just met and like everything that he wants to achieve with her, like a life with her and trying to protect her from all this stuff. And I just thought it was interesting to get that look into that, I guess, even though it is obviously too an extreme. As a girl, I thought it was cool to like see that from his side, but also kind of scared to see see it from his side too. Like, is this what guys do?
1: Right. I mean, like, I mean, just like girls, like guys definitely like fantasize about like who they like and what could be. No, definitely guys are also like, wow, this girl's so like beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. like, dang. Let me let me stalk um,
0: her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the thing about Joe is that he actually. Does something about it, right? He's a man of—he's a man of action. Mm. Are his actions necessarily good? I—I I, I wouldn't say so. And you can critique Joe all you want, but he is definitely a man that makes things happen. Is that You're the not type of love you this. want? Yeah, is that the type of love you—you you would necessarily want? I know there are like girls who are like, "Oh man, I wish I had a guy who would love me like that." Um, what? <laughs> Um I mean just like loving loving someone so hard that you would do anything for them. Um not necessarily okay. kill, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But a love so strong that the guy's like, "Oh, it's all about you." Yep. And we see that with Joe. It's all or nothing. It's either he's with you or you're probably dead.
0: <laughs> yep. Exactly. There's so much to talk about. Like we can talk about Candace who is Joe's girlfriend before Beck. We can talk about, I don't even know, like going into season two.
1: Let's talk about Candace for a sec, because that's where all of this kind of stems from, right? That's where Joe's problems stem from.
0: And it's the connector between season one and season two, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Basically, Joe moves to LA in season two, becomes this guy named Will Bettelheim. But at the end of season one, we see his ex girlfriend Candace come back into the picture, and he does that whole thing like, Oh, it's you! You're wearing like this, and like you must want attention. Like again, psychoanalyzing this girl. Mm-hmm. But then we find out it's actually Candace.
1: Oh, Candace! Um, I was surprised <laughs> that she was still alive, honestly, because the way Joe was narrating it, it seemed like she was long gone. Mm-hmm. Candace is kind of crazy.
0: She is also a lot. I don't even know where to begin with her. She has a lot of issues going on. Her relationship with Joe was pretty complicated. I mean. It resulted in like his I don't even know if it was like his first like Mm -hmm. kill or just like something that really set him on this path of like getting rid of anyone who's standing in the way of his relationship or hurting anyone that he loves
1: she she definitely hurt him really bad um she was like his first girlfriend right as far as we know yeah she slept with her producer is that right Yes, um, yes. Someone in the music industry, right? I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. definitely her fault. I do feel bad for the music producer, though.
0: I mean, um, yeah, Joe literally pushed him to his death.
1: The the dude was like, "Hey, man, she did. She didn't even like mention you. Like, I didn't right. even know." And I was like. All right, man, let him go. And Joe like in his fury.
0: (laughs) He was so angry and he just like pushed him and I was like, oh no. I mean, as soon as that scene started, I was like, okay, he is sitting on a ledge. Something is going to happen. But I also had like a glimmer of hope when the producer was like, I literally had no idea. Like, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. And I think that's Joe's, Joe's brain like rationalizing that because he still has a soft spot for Candace despite her cheating on him she's somehow still in the right or this can somehow still be fixed so his mm-hmm. anger isn't necessarily like placed on candace mm. <laughs> for some reason
0: <laughs> he just holds all of his love interest to such a high pedestal that he's mm-hmm. like whatever they do even if it's wrong or it hurts him they can't do enough wrong to make me stop loving them if that makes sense
1: right and i think it makes sense because he's not, he's very aware of himself, right? Mm-hmm. Joe isn't necessary, Joe isn't stupid, but he does have a weird moral compass. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the sense that he knows what he's doing is wrong. Like, killing is wrong. I think he rationalizes it in a way where it's like, well, if they found out what, like, about everything that I did, right? Would they still love me? Because I would definitely still try to make things work.
0: And I feel like that is shown so much in season two. Because we actually find someone who might be more crazy than he is. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's talk about her. Let's talk about, <laughs> yeah, let's, Miss talk about let's talk love about Quinn. love. Love Quinn. Just to start it off, like I appreciate all of the puns for the season because of love. And he'll right. say stuff like Like I found love and like I would do anything for love and all this stuff. And it's like obviously like he's meaning love as in the concept. The concept, but right. It's like, her name is also Love. So it's kind of foreshadowing, like, no matter what she does, he is still going to be in her corner. And she did some crazy stuff. Oh my goodness. Miss Love Quinn. I did not expect that from her.
1: Right. She was, she seemed her actually was. normal. I was really hoping that things would work out.
0: Oh my goodness. But it was also
1: too good to be true.
0: Oh, it was so much. I, I don't even know where to start with Love. Like, I felt bad for Joe at the end.
1: Right. Well, let's start with um where Love like where Love's like crazy antics started um, with Forty.
0: Yes, so Forty is her twin brother and she wants to protect him with every fiber of her being. When they were younger, Forty and Love's parents um, hired an au pair. The au pair and Forty had a thing, like they were involved somehow. Love saw the au pair basically molesting Forty in like the garden. Love just slices the au pair's throat but the whole family like masks it as like a suicide or something. But doesn't Forty like believe that he did it at one point? He
1: does. Yeah, he does. He's so and sad. He, he he's always believed it.
0: Oh, that's so sad.
1: Love kinda of gaslights him, right?
0: Yes, yes. And believing like that he's said.
1: this unstable dude all his life who needs help and protection. And yeah. he, he definitely grows to resent that because everyone's saying like, 40 you're crazy. You need help. But as we see later on, Forty's is actually not as stupid as everyone makes him out to be.
0: Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. just troubled. <laughs> so troubled and love uses that to keep him near her so that mm-hmm. she can still protect him and still love him because I feel like if he was capable, he could have done so many cool things, you know, writing, producing, whatever it is. But because he believes he has this crutch, he also stays near love too.
1: I found it like strange how insightful um, love could be um, yes. about Joe. Um, well, the way she explains it was like, oh, like I can tell that you've lost, like you've lost somebody because I went through the same thing. She tries just as hard as Joe to make things work doesn't she?
0: I would say so. I always sensed that Forty always had to be in the picture. I remember when um, Joe asked her to like move to Paris with him and she was like oh like I don't know like what about Forty and Joe's like oh well, we can take your brother with us like you know hesitantly and she suddenly like her mood changes completely she's like oh my gosh yes like you see that as like she starts to spiral and as Forty starts to pick up on other things like distinct characteristics of them just really start to come out and you start to see like okay there is something deeper with this relationship and its history between love and 40 that is going to be huge for Joe and Love's relationship later on, too. Right.
1: It kind of annoyed me that they came in a package deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, my thought process was like, well, well, why does it have to be that way? Like, if you guys just love each other so much, why don't you just go? But Love is definitely the spitting image of Joe but mm-hmm. as a girl <laughs> mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. that she also has the savior complex and that she also needs to, she feels she has to take responsibility for someone and that someone just happens to be her brother, not, not like a love interest.
0: She's trying to curate this life with Joe by getting rid of anybody or anything that could potentially bring up all of Joe's demons and all of his lies that are clearly slowly catching up to him from Delilah, from Candace. so we see that she's been so insightful, like you said, and she is so manipulative. Like I would have never guessed that she was this crazy and like this in tune with everything.
1: I kind of breathed like a sigh of relief when I found that out when both of them were in that uh, storage facility.
0: And he's in the glass box.
1: Yeah, it was finally revealed that. Uh, for for love, she's like I'm 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 like you, you know we're we're the same, right? We 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 both do crazy things, so why don't we just be together? And I'm just like, yes, yes, right? Because Joe doing crazy things is no longer like weird anymore, right? In, mm-hmm. in terms of this relationship, it's just it's you can finally just do crazy things together, and this is awesome, like go for it. This is why I'm saying Joe has a weird moral compass because he thinks mm-hmm. other he sees other people doing the exact same thing he does and then he's like no yeah <laughs> no yeah. killing Delilah was wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um, even though he's perfectly willing to kill Benji Peach you know send Dr. Nikki to jail <laughs> he sees Love doing this and he's just like You're crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's like, why would you do that? But I also felt relief because I really did not want Joe to have killed Delilah. I think that would have just ruined his character as a whole. You know, like we see Joe doing all these things, but they've always been justified. They've always Mm -hmm. been people who have been threats to him or threats to people that he loved. And Delilah was a friend. Delilah Mm -hmm. was someone that he felt comforted by. He took care of her younger sister, Ellie. And to me, like if Joe was the one who killed Delilah, I would have just, I don't think I could have liked him as a character anymore. Mm. So I'm really glad that Love was the one who did it, even though she is insane. But I think it just keeps Joe as like this protagonist that you want to root for, because there's no way he could have done that to someone that he cared about who didn't hurt him.
1: At the same time, the the show did a really good job keeping that a mystery. The reason why he's wondering is because he blacked out, right? Because he mm-hmm. took because forty drugged him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Joe wasn't always a killer, right? He wasn't always a killer, um, but mm-hmm. he he grew into that, and he I don't think he ever became comfortable with it, but it became something that he did out of necessity. One of my favorite parts about the show is the actual Will Bettelheim. Yes. Um, because
0: he's so cool
1: <laughs> he is he is such a cool character i think i think it's very smart when joe when he was still joe decides to club the will Bet- the real yeah. will Bettelheim, over the head because the real will Bettelheim will was saying oh like a good like a good secret like hidden identity is developed over years and years and joe's like well i'll just take yours because you already have one <laughs> uh, i think great. that was so smart but i also just love how Uh, The real Will Bolleheim just didn't really mind too much that he was in a cage.
0: Yeah, he was like, this is better than where I would be in real life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love the relationship that they developed. It was so great. Like, they were were friends who talked. Joe doesn't get that. He doesn't just get a friend, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. Besides uh, who he used to work with at the bookstore, but they weren't even. Ethan, right? But But Ethan
0: Ethan didn't know Joe. Like, right Will knows Joe's heart, and he also mm-hmm. knows how complicated he is. Yeah. And because Joe feels safe with him, that's why he calls him later on. He was like, I need help. He thought that Will killed Delilah f- at first. And mm-hmm. so he calls him, and obviously Will's in wherever he is. I forget. Not in L.A., so there's no way he could have done it. But then Will is like, hey, man, talk to me. Like, what's going on? Like, why do you look like... You've seen a ghost or something like that. <laughs> you know, it was a great character. I love that they added him and had him like come back at the end, sort of mm-hmm. like to give Joe that, I don't know, comfort. And that's also why you just have to know that he wasn't the one who killed Delilah.
1: At the same time, this is like, well, he was on drugs. Like, I can't be sure. Right? <laughs> right. And he's like, he couldn't be sure either. Um, And I love how he just, like, goes on a hunt, on a manhunt to figure out, like, who did this. Because he feels like he owes it to Ellie, the little sister.
0: Poor Ellie. Yeah,
1: He has a heart of gold when it comes to kids.
0: Mm -hmm. I wonder if it was because he has such a rough childhood with his mom. And
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I guess that was his first, like...
1: Oh, yeah, that probably is his first. Um,
0: his first kill, not his mom, but the guy she was seeing, or was it his dad or some, someone that his mom was involved was either, with? Yeah,
1: it was one of, one of those, either either someone who, who she was seeing or his actual dad. So he is locked in the box, right? Oh, yeah, um, In the storage facility, and yes. um, Love is about to let him out. And then in the reflection, she sees that he has handcuffs in his pants. Yeah. the handcuffs are open so the there's like a sharp edge um but by the time she sees it, it's too late because she's already in the box with him and he like strangles her um he has like one one hand on her neck and the other mm-hmm. on the handcuffs about to like uh like cut into her jugular you know and then she yeah. says wait i'm pregnant <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and he just, he, he does a, a complete 180 and he's like, oh, well that changes things.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, I have a family to protect now.
1: I mean, I was surprised that he could be so hypocritical as to want to kill Love, even though Love's doing the exact same things that he's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was about to he was prepared towards the very end he even takes responsibility for everything he's everything he's done right he's like leave me in the cage like let me get caught like it's it's about time that i i answer for everything i've done um Mm -hmm. but turns out that love's just crazy so she's like no (laughs) (laughs) right maybe that's why he keeps things so loosely hidden he knows that he's not a good guy yeah. But he knows that he's the right guy, right?
0: He knows yeah. that he's not a
1: good guy. So he's oh he keeps things so surface level, like the evidence so surface level so that if he gets caught, it's not so much that it's like, Oh well, I didn't expect this. Mm. It's mm-hmm. almost like he's setting himself up to be like, Oh well, you know, karma's finally caught up to me. So
0: mm. oh wow. Yeah, I never thought of it like that.
1: Let's talk about what happens after that though, because that's a little bit um, that's a little oh, bit juicy.
0: It's very juicy. So they go to a wedding of two of Love's friends. While all this is happening, Forty finds out by his own deduction, so we know he's not stupid, that Dr. Nikki is innocent in the murder of Beck. Forty finds out, he comes back to LA, and he's like trying to contact everyone. He tries to contact Candace, who is dead, but he doesn't know that yet. He tries to contact Love, and Joe who are at a unplugged wedding, so they can't check their phones. Finally, they all somehow meet back at Anavarin, which is where Forty and Love and Joe all work. And there's this like showdown where Forty is like, Joe is this horrible person, like we need to get rid of him. But all the while you're like, so is your sister. Like she's just as crazy. Right. And then Officer Finch, who was Delilah's like casual lover, turning into something serious, comes in. I guess he heard a police report. This is at the moment where Forty has a gun to Joe's head and Officer Finch thinks that he's saving the situation by shooting Forty. So in the end, you have Love and Joe living what seems like happily ever after-ish with Love being pregnant, living with looks like Love's mom. And they're in this, like, suburban setting. And then the cliffhanger at the end is crazy. Because Joe sees through his fence a neighbor, who is married, by the way. There is a ring on her finger. Who's reading a bunch of books, who's, like, journaling, like, sitting on, like, the nice, like, patio chair. And he's, like... Oh my gosh, you. And does his whole psychoanalysis thing again. He does. He does the
1: whole whole like, hey, you. Like, like, that type of thing.
0: No. No.
1: Isn't that kind of crazy of Joe, though? I mean, he's always crazy, but... um, (laughs) We keep
0: saying, like, isn't that crazy? Like,
1: like, what else could he do? (laughs) Right? He's with love. He has a kid with her. And it seems like this is all he's ever wanted. This time, he's going to be the one who's going to be cheating. And Mm -hmm. that has major repercussions for... Their relationship, because we know what love is capable of.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Season three is coming out soon. Season
1: three. Do we know? Do we have an idea of like when in twenty twenty one it's coming out?
0: I don't know. I heard like early, and then I don't know what that means anymore. And with COVID, it could just get pushed back. That's true. So.
1: I have a feeling that season three is going to be about him falling in love with the neighbor. Um, them mm-hmm. getting into something, whether or not the neighbor reciprocates her love. Love is going to do something rash. They're going to fight. That says so much about Joe now, though. I feel like if he's looking at somebody else already, like if he has the, you know, the gall to like fantasize about somebody else, I don't think he's staying in this relationship for love. There was a little bit of conflict in Joe, right? Towards the end of the season, whether or not he had the capacity to love love anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: But at the same time, uh, he told Love that he loves her even more now. And I don't know if that's a lie or not. Hmm. I can't, that can't that can't be the truth right now things seem okay but it's it's a, it's still a mess it's still a mess
0: it's just a never-ending cycle
1: I feel like that's how like some relationship problems tend to happen to like a lesser extent when there's like this festering problem and like either one or both like partners so badly want to th- believe that things are going to be okay or will be okay somehow that they sort of blind themselves i guess if there's a message it's better to like air out like the baggage it's better to air out like the the secrets but for will to do that to air out his baggage and his secrets i don't know that's i don't i don't know if that makes a relationship better
0: (laughs) Uh, only if you find someone like love (laughs) so i feel like he's grown even though he still has some things to work out obviously
1: oh yeah majorly i do wonder though. we're talking about joe and whether or not he's a good person in the context of the show, which is kind of like a vacuum, right? But I wonder whether or not we can talk about him in the context of just like real life. What makes him a good person and what makes him a bad person or whether or not we can say he's either.
0: Yeah, I guess that's tough. I mean, for anyone like watching it, you're just like, there's no way that this would be acceptable in real life, like the things that he's doing. But I don't think that his mentality and like his fixation on someone is... That foreign, honestly.
1: I feel like everyone can, in some, to some extent, relate to Joe, but just not to that level of violence or passion.
0: <laughs> yeah, even just like his feelings when he sees Beck sleeping with someone else or getting robbed of a position from her advisor, like stuff like that. If you care about someone and you see them going through stuff like that, you feel a certain way. Like you want to protect them, you want to shield them from anything that could hurt them. So I feel right. like. Right. In that aspect, a lot of people can relate to him. It's just that they wouldn't necessarily go to the lengths that he would.
1: I mean, at what point do you call somebody a killer? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, do you, do you call them a killer when, when they've killed somebody, whether or not it's by accident, whether or not it was premeditated? Mm-hmm. Um, Does it matter? But, man, like, he's a killer, though, isn't he? And doesn't that make him a bad person? Whether or not you know it's right or wrong, right? If you still kill somebody, that doesn't necessarily make you a good person though, does it? Has Joe redeemed himself?
0: I don't think so. Even just like at the end, the foreshadowing of just like his obsession with his new neighbor, I Mm. think there's still those root things that he's struggling with that have led him to be a killer and led him to be obsessive. So I wouldn't say he's completely redeemed himself, but I will say that I see him as a lesser offense than love now.
1: <laughs> okay, so you see love as the wor- the worst of the two.
0: I do, I do. Okay. What about you?
1: Hmm, that's a tough question. In terms of trying to better yourself, sure. <laughs> we gotta have a whole other podcast about, like, cancel culture.
0: We should. Ooh, that's a good well, if you one.
1: want to talk about that, hit me up because I, I have, I have stuff to say about it. Joe could be canceled on so many things. I'm a believer that everyone should be able to grow, learn from their mistakes, even if their mistakes happen to be killing someone. For Joe specifically, we know that he wasn't always a killer. He wasn't born a killer. He's trying to better himself, but he's not, he's not answering for anything.
0: But I think you have to start by acknowledging that you have an issue, and I don't think he has done that yet.
1: Right. But can he redeem himself, though? Can, we, can he redeem himself for <laughs> killing Peach, Benji, for imprisoning Dr. Nikki, for killing <sighs> Beck? Can he do that? I don't think he can. Well, there are things that you can't be forgiven for by other people. You can definitely forgive yourself.
0: That's the thing I was going to say. I think there's a difference between redeeming yourself, but then also being redeemed in the eyes of others who have been like hurt by your actions. Joe himself can be like, I'm not going to do those things again, or I was justified in doing all those things. But that doesn't mean that those other people who are affected by those murders are gonna see Joe as redeemed necessarily. So maybe right. it's a subjective thing. This is ethics. Ethics. Class,
1: yeah, it guys. is ethics, isn't it? Because I mean, just just talking about the type of moral compass that Joe has is, is, yeah. is a whole a whole other podcast in and of itself.
0: Whole other thing. I know this is a podcast, so people can't see, but this whole episode, we've just been like shaking our heads this whole time because it's just a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, shaking our heads, just sighing, just like at a loss for words because it seems simple, right? The 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 premise of this show is pretty simple, but the way they execute it is so so complicated.
0: Exactly. When I first heard about the show and knew that Penn Badgley was going to be like pictured as this stalker, this obsessed boyfriend. I was like, okay, this is going to be, first of all, too much for me to handle. But also, I thought I knew which side I would be on. Like, I thought I would be on Beck's side. And even after episode one, I was like, I want to know how Joe gets out of this.
1: Yeah, when I I love it. I love when a show can make me sympathize with uh, with a person who does bad things.
0: Yes, that makes us sound like bad people, but it's... It's so fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's great because it's like, this is I wouldn't usually do this, mm-hmm. but I've somehow in my brain made an exception. It's a great show. I recommend it.
0: <sighs> great show. If you made it all the way to the end without watching the actual show and you got all these spoilers, still watch it. I think it's a great journey to just be on. Hopefully if you guys have seen the show, maybe you guys could relate to our frustration and our confusion and anger i think we can wrap up this episode for now obviously we have lots of different things we could talk about in the future so much more but let's do a would you rather question okay so petros pick a number between one and a hundred shake off this layer of i don't know stress i guess from this show Yeah, i'm a
1: little bit heated talking about it (laughs) um 58.
0: would you rather live in antarctica or the sahara desert
1: Ooh. Antarctica? or the Sah- Okay, um Sahara, Sahara desert.
0: <laughs> Why?
1: Because I can't handle the cold. I don't Ooh. like cold. And I know this because once I was uh I was living off campus and it was uh it was blistering cold and I to get to my apartment, you have to walk up the, this flight of stairs mm-hmm. outside. And so like i was all wrapped up but i was so cold and i was literally crying tears because Aww. it was so cold from that day i knew i just couldn't do blistering cold weather it depends it depends honestly i guess I'll, it always depends but <laughs> i feel like i can handle the heat a lot better than than the cold at least with the heat you can just take off clothes with the cold you just need to like put them on put on like la- more layers and layers and layers and layers i was yeah. going to
0: answer the opposite
1: Really, I, why? I would
0: rather live in Antarctica. Well, okay, for your argument of in the desert, you can take off clothes and in Antarctica, you have to put on clothes. Yeah, At some point, there's only so many clothes you can take off. And that's how I feel often in the summer because maybe it's different for girls too. Like you always have to wear something and I'm like, I'm just sweating through everything.
1: Oh, but that sand though, I don't know, I just, I just, yeah. I'm just real—I thinking about the sand and how dry it would be. In that case, I changed my answer, I would rather stay in the Antarctic. There's probably more resources in the, in the Antarctic, as opposed to the Sahara, which is just a desert, right? You can mm. probably go like ice fishing or something, you probably like kill some penguins, I don't know. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I mean you need to survive somehow, right?
0: Oh, the penguins! We can live Man. out our frozen dreams.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Even though even though Norway is a far cry from how cold it is, uh, let it
0: go. You know, the cold never bothered us anyway, Petros.
1: Oh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? (laughs) I do like winter, um, like the season, like the winter season when Mm -hmm. like uh, everything seems like very like festive and cheery.
0: The holidays and the decorations, yeah. And Animal yeah. Crossing is so much more fun in the winter.
1: <laughs> I've seen I've seen people play, but I haven't touched uh, Animal Crossing in so long.
0: It's probably a good thing.
1: I realized that um, I had a problem with Animal Crossing when I started like going really hardcore on stocks, on Ooh. turnips. Yeah, I realized mm. I was just like, I don't think I can live this way, <laughs> <laughs> no, like legitimately, because I'm just like, I think I think Animal Crossing is turning into like like a job for me. Wow. Like it's, like it's no longer like, I don't feel relaxed anymore. Cause I'm just like, mm. every day I'm checking like the stock prices. I'm like, guys, what are your stock prices? My stock prices don't seem that good, but maybe it could be better. I don't know. <sighs>
0: wow. That was yeah. a great conversation from yeah. you to obsessions to stalkers and ethics to animal crossing. Nice. So much,
1: so much to talk about. There's still so, so much, much to talk about.
0: You're welcome back anytime. Thanks for jumping on this podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. For those who are listening, thank you so much for joining in on this episode. You know, we got a little heated, definitely sweating from talking about all of this, but, um, always a good time to, you know, catch up with Petros, talk about our TV shows because we both watch quite a lot. So if you have recommendations of what to watch next, I'm all ears. I don't know if Petros is, he's pretty busy, but.
1: You recommend some pretty good shows. I think you and I have similar tastes.
0: I think so too because there are other friends where i'm like you should watch this and they're like that was so horrible and i'm like yeah what it was so good
1: (laughs) there was this one you recommended it was like one it was like a mini series it was like one season
0: oh the stranger
1: yeah oh i think so the british one yes
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: that was so good
0: that was really good so yeah if you have not already subscribed and followed the podcast on spotify or Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or, you know, whatever platform you're listening on, be sure to, so you can be notified when there's a new episode every week. And if you're using Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you leave a nice review and rating. And yeah, tune in next time for another episode of Let's Get Candid. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.